Wow, it was good to hear you praise. It is a joy in God's ear to hear you. Yes, even your voice. I know that you don't sing like Blake, you know. I was over there going, take joy, my Lord. You know, and it was like, usually if you heard it, you might not take joy. But he does, doesn't he? To hear his children singing to him and, and praising his name and telling him that we love him. Maybe you've had a hard week this week. God loves you. He's here for you. And we're here for you. I want to talk a little about that. We're talking about how to be neighbors, how to love your neighbor. I was thinking during Hurricane Harvey how in the midst of all the tragedy, how we were able here in Houston to kind of set a new narrative, even for all the mainstream media across the the nation. And it was just amazing to see everyone coming together. And, you know, it was the churches more than anyone else. It was people from the churches that were doing a lot of that. You were out there making a difference. And all the churches in, in our area, and even more than FEMA, even more than the Red Cross. And one of the things that God really put on my heart is that is how it's always supposed to be. That is how we are always supposed to be as the church, to make the difference, to be there, to show people how much... We love them. In fact, it's interesting because a guy came up to Jesus one time and they, he said to him, he said, what's the most, most important thing that God tells us to do? And Jesus didn't say earn a six-figure salary or even live a healthy life. What he said, there's really just two things, love God and love each other, love your neighbor. That's, that sums up everything. That is the most important thing that we can do and even at church Jesus said if you want to pull open your little sermon notes there you can look right there in the middle of your worship folder I've got some blanks for you to fill in but Jesus words in John 13 35 he said by this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another it's by your love for each other that they're going to see that you're mine that you're my follower see buildings don't impress Jesus Programs don't impress Jesus. What impresses him is relationship. Being there for each other. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those auction shows on TV, you know, where people are bringing, you know, things that they found that they think might be worth something and they bring it up to, and they kind of look at it, kind of like the pawn shop kind of things too, but they, then they'll auction them off. And it's always funny to me when someone thinks they've got some really valuable thing and they bring it up and it's worth like 50 cents or something, you know? Maybe that's the mean streak in me, but it's, I get a kick out of that, you know? And there was uh, Christie's, uh, the big auctioneer, they, they do uh, uh, an auction every year that they allow people to bring some stuff in and they'll appraise it and they'll, then they'll auction it. And it was interesting because one of the appraisers said that he will never forget the year that this lady brought in what she thought was a worthless piece of costume jewelry. And when she had it appraised, it had been made in 1904 by Tiffany and Company. And because she still had the original drawings, when they auctioned it off, it went for $385,000. Now, can you imagine? She said she had had it back in the back of the closet in her grandma's old costume jewelry box that just with all the other junk back in there. And... You know, you just think about stuff like that. 
what if you have something in the back of your closet right now that's worth that, you know, and, and you don't even, you don't even, some of you are going to go home and dig through your closet, aren't you? I feel like the way that lady treated that rare jewelry is the way that I treat my relationships most of the time. I kind of have them, you know, boxed in with everything else that I do, you know. I've got a lot to do today, clip my toenails, have relationships with people, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's like they're all in the same kind of, kind of plane. And I, I guess my question is, what if we lived our whole lives and we missed out on the most important thing in life? We missed out on, on what God said. And, I don't want us to miss that. Is it possible to live your whole life and miss the point? Well, I want to talk about how to do this. And if you're like me, relationships are a struggle. I I mean, this is not something that just always comes naturally to a lot of us. And a lot of us have really pushed back. You know, maybe we've been hurt in the past. or, Or you've gotten kind of cynical, you know. And I was talking to someone the other, other day and they were saying, it's always the people that I help the most that end up, you know, stabbing me in the back or betraying me. And, and I can see that a lot of times. And how do you keep from getting cynical about that? Well, we have to make some choices. Some choices. So I, I put some blanks there for you because I want you to write this down. You remember when you write things down. So let's remember these. Number one, four choices as we... We all make as we relate. Number one, I can choose to isolate myself or be connected. I can choose to isolate myself or be connected. Now that that's, makes common sense. I, I know you're going, well, that's not really that deep, Mark. I didn't say I was deep, but it's vital. It, it, it's so vital. And I believe in this day and age with the technology, you know, preaching from an iPad and and it's we're disconnected more than ever before have you ever sat in a a room of if you're a parent you sit in the room with your teenager and their friends does anybody talk everybody's on their phone now they are talking because they're texting each other even though they're like two feet apart right but we get disconnected in fact they did a big study not too long ago did you know that today's teenagers ring the doorbell if they ring it you know they ring it with their thumb you ring it if you're over about 30 or 40, depending on how old you are. Some of you, you know, in the 20s ring it with your thumb too. But we ring it with our, and teenagers are going, that's weird. Why would you use your index finger, right? Because thumbs have gotten, you know, I don't know, maybe one day, you know, 100 years from now, our thumbs are going to be gigantic or something. I don't, <laughs> amazing, you know, or all thumbs, you know. But, but it, it's just... it's crazy where the world's coming to and we can we have this danger of finding ourselves incredibly alone and because of that we can be incredibly vulnerable you know the old saying is right there's strength in numbers listen to what the wisest man who ever lived said in the book of Ecclesiastes a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer and three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken 
That's, that's pretty powerful. Study after study after study with modern day science tells us that people that take the time to develop relationship, they're happier people. They're healthier people. They're more successful in their jobs. They actually live longer. This past week, I sat with Rick Warren, who was in, who comes from California. He's a pastor out there and a group of pastors. And Rick was just telling us about one of the hardest times in his life when his son Matthew committed suicide a couple of years ago. And he said Matthew had struggled with mental health issues and, and, and chemistry uh, you know, in his brain for, for some time. And he had a lot of depression and he was dealing with it. But he said Matthew had just been over at his house. He and his wife Kay, uh, Rick and Kay are the parents. And, and, and so they had had fun. His daughter Amy was there. They had played games and stuff. Then Matthew went back to his house. And they didn't hear for him for 24 hours. And they started getting worried because they tried to call and no one would answer. And he said, he remembered the last thing Matthew said. He just said, Dad, sometimes I just get so tired of fighting all this stuff that I don't want to do it anymore. That was one of the last things that he had said to him. And he said, so he and his wife, Kay, went over to Matthew's house. And his car's still in the driveway nobody's answering the door as they ring the doorbell and he said they started getting a really bad feeling and they just kind of held each other they prayed they called the police the police had to come and break in and they discovered the worst had happened that Matthew had taken his own life and he said the thing that was so interesting the thing that really made a difference for them is that he had been for the last eight or nine years walking in a small group he and his wife there's a little group of couples that they had met together uh, every other week for like nine years and they knew each other really well they were open and honest with each other they really talked openly and he said the word got out to that little group what had happened and he said they were standing in the driveway when he walked back out of the house they were already there and he said they wouldn't let them uh, just go home and uh, by themselves he said a couple of the couples said we're going home and spend the night at your house we'll just be sitting out in the living room if you need anything if you want anything if you just need a shoulder to cry on whatever you need we're here for you and he said it was it was this moment of huge crisis and he realized I can't make it alone I need these people there I need them in my life and it, it just really brought home to me again I, I hope and pray that you never have to experience something like that but I can tell you if you're alive on this planet the crisis is coming it's coming we're gonna face a crisis and most of us many of us in this room we're not ready we're ready in some ways but we we don't have those relationships around us you know most couples when they lose a child their marriage ends in divorce within the next two or three years after that and I think it's because of this we don't have those uh, that support around us well how do you get that support like what 
Rick had. Well, the first step you have to take is to decide to connect to people in a greater way. The book of Hebrews says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, give courage to one another. You might want to circle that little word, those two little words, meeting together, because in order to develop a relationship with someone, you actually have to meet with them. And God knows that we, we struggle with that. We're going like, I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. And in Acts 2.44, it said all the believers were together and shared everything. They were together. They developed a relationship. Now, I know at Community of Faith, this is an easy place to hide. I, I get that. Some of you are here this morning and right in the middle of everyone else, you're hiding, you know, you're just kind of come in, you want to be anonymous, and we respect that because we want you to be able to come in and just relax and look around and go, okay, it's safe, they're not going to ask me to do anything strange, you know, nobody's going to put a mic in my hand and ask me to say something, right? Nobody's going to, and, and, and so you can come and you can kind of hide, and that's, that's fine at the beginning because we want it to be a safe zone. That's why we say you can bring your friends, even if they're far from God, it's safe here. We're not going to embarrass you. It's going to be a safe place. And you can kind of be anonymous for a little while. Now, I'm, I've seen it over and over again after about five, six, seven times of doing that. God really grabs hold of you and you step in and, and we see the, the, the difference that it makes as you step into that relationship with God. I, I went, when we were getting ready to start Community of Faith in about 2003, we had just come back from Mexico as missionaries. And so we kind of went around to different churches here in the area just to kind of visit, to kind of see where everything was and try to figure out where we would want to be. And I remember we went to this one church, and I won't tell you the name of it, I call it Stalker Church, but we kind of wanted to sneak in the back, you know, I didn't want to be able to say anything, I just wanted to kind of be there and... and and, and so Laura and I kind of snuck in the, tried to sneak in the back, but they grabbed us and said, hey, put your name down on this list and your phone number and your address. And I said, oh, I, I think we're okay. And, and, and like 15 people asked me to do that, you know? They kept bringing the list back up. And finally, this one guy goes, no, really, I, I, you know, it's safe. You can put your, I said, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I think I'm, I think I'm all right. And, and so we didn't do it. And, and during the last prayer, Laura and I snuck out. And hopped in the car and took off and I said, wow, that was a lot of pressure to get our names. They called us during the week. And I said, you're from that, you're from that church? I said, how did you get our name? He said, I have a friend at the DMV. <laughs> I was like, oh, buddy. You know, I wish I had a friend at the DMV. I got to get a new license here pretty soon. That's going to be... If any of you know anybody, but he had looked our, he looked our license plate up and, and he called us off of that and I said, oh, you're going a little too far there. We're not going to do that to you today, okay? <laughs> if you're visiting. <laughs> I don't have any friends at the DMV. But, but no, just come and be here. It's good, relax. But let me tell you something. Some of you, you've been here 
couple of years now and you're still doing the same thing maybe that's a little long right maybe it's time to step in and really begin to try to get some relationships and you know just talking to the donut guy on the way in that doesn't count exactly all right here's what I would love for you to do I want you to really listen to this because I just feel like that you guys are so I mean you have you're so capable and you're so able to do this. You know, a lot of churches, they try to just do everything for you. You're going to be in this group, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. Here's what I would love for you to do. What if it was as easy? Think of three or four people that you kind of like already, that maybe you're kind of friends with, okay, that you would like to do small group with. If you're a couple, think of three or four couples. They don't all have to be you know, in our church, I, I, I would prefer that uh, if they're not in our church that you would find some that don't go anywhere, maybe just in your neighborhood and invite them to be a part and make it a little small group. And you say, well, what will we study? Because I don't know anything. You know, I'm afraid I'm going to be embarrassed. That's why you get to invite the people. They can be, they can know less than you do, right? It's awesome. But that's not what small group is about. It's not where we all sit around and try to say, well, let me tell you some Bible trivia that I know about Hezekiah, you know? No, it's just being there with each other. If you look down at the bottom of your notes right there where you're writing, filling in the blanks, you can actually go online and pull off curriculum from the sermons that I'm preaching. And it's real easy. It's all just like super easy. It's just questions that you ask. And there's not... You know, like, like no one's going to sit around and go, well, what do you think about this? And you answer it and they go, eh. You know, it's just discussion. You can do this. And this is so important that you do. You can do this. And then you can just casually sometime let us know that you have a small group, that you are together. You can meet at your house. You can meet at a restaurant. You can do whatever if it's people that you enjoy, you're going to do it. If I set you in a group and say, you're going to be with these four people that you can't stand, that, you know, it doesn't usually last very long. And get people like you. Get people with the same interest. Or, or maybe you want to get people that have kids the same age. Or maybe you want to be with someone older that has wisdom about kids that have already raised their teenagers, you know? And at least they can commiserate with you or something, right? So just, will you do that? Some of you are going like, I don't think so. I'm serious. This is so, so important. But it's going to take a risk. I understand that it takes risk. It takes risk to even ask. I, I mean, what if they say no? They're not. They want it just like you do. Nobody's going to go, I'm not coming to your house. You know? It, it, it's like, just, just ask. I had a friend in in college I went I actually went to Baylor and I mean I was always a big Baylor uh, fan until all of my kids went to OU and all my money went to OU and then I, I found out that where your treasure is your heart really does go there you know um, but I had a friend at Baylor and he was kind of different he was actually my roommate I just took potluck you know as a freshman and he went out with all of the most beautiful girls at Baylor I was like you know, until I found Laura, I was, you know, I was kind of shy and scared to, to ask him. But he would, he would ask everybody. And he was just kind of weird, really. 
I mean, I remember this one cheerleader that was a, a she was like a senior and he was like a sophomore that year. And, and he goes, she's cute. I'm asking her out. And I went, that's ridiculous. Brad, Brad, that's just crazy. And, and, and he got some guys together and he went and they sang to her under her window. And I thought, that is embarrassing. <laughs> and then the next week, he's going out with a girl. You know what? I think nobody else was even asking some of the pretty girls out. They were all, except Brad, you know, he was asking everybody. Just take a risk. You just take the risk. And we've got to take a risk in our life. Bradley Thomas, who's on my staff, one of my pastors, he's one of the most brilliant guys I know. You know why? In the last big flood, his house flooded. And you know what he did after that? He took out flood insurance. Crazy, right? I mean, you know, they did a study in all of Houston. You know how many people had flood insurance? Bradley. <laughs> he was the only one. And when it flooded this time, I mean, he wasn't excited about it, but his house flooded again. He had flood insurance. If you're alive in this world because we're not in heaven yet, the flood's coming. Might not be another physical flood, hope not. But there's a crisis coming. There's going to be a crisis. And you're not ready. Because we don't have each other yet. What if it was as simple as grabbing, as a couple grabbing two or three or four or five other couples that you kind of like and saying, hey, let's just hang out and pray together. You say, well, I don't really even know how to pray that good. That's okay. Just get other people like you say, you know, we're all a mess. We don't know a lot about this, but we can do this together. And then just be real. Don't, don't try to act real fake and don't try to be, you know, like you know something, you know. And that's what I love about community of faith. We all know we don't know anything, right? We're learning, we're growing. And it's going to deepen you and it's going to deepen your relationships. And you will actually grow through that curriculum. You will grow like crazy together and you'll be ready when the crisis comes a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but back to back that's a totally different thing number two I can choose to pretend or be real Jesus had a word for people who pretended he called them hypocrites and we always think of Jesus you know some of you you think Jesus was so meek and mild and you know you see those pictures of him he just kind of looks kind of wimpish, you know. But the truth is, he wasn't like that at all. In fact, I want you to imagine, just imagine for a moment, I'm Jesus teaching. You have to imagine my flowing locks, you know. And, and I'm, I'm teaching you right now. This is like stuff that he would say. Woe to you. What? What kind of, te wow, that's pretty strong, isn't it? Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. Wow, what if I did that to you? There'd be like four of us next week, right? I think you're a hypocrite. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. You know what? They didn't like him. 
Kind of stunning, right? They did not care for him. In fact, they would hope to crucify him. You know how much work it is just to keep up appearances? Some of you do know exactly what I'm talking about. When your head hits the pillow at night, you're just going, I'm just so exhausted trying to pretend to be this person. Do you want to take the road that leads to where people, when they say, I love you, you're always thinking, yeah, but if you really knew me, you wouldn't love me? Do you want to take that road? Or do you want to take the road that leads to the freedom of living a life without secrets? Did you know that's possible? Wow, it it really could be freeing to live a life without secrets. Now, I'm not saying to live a life that just blurts out everything that goes through your head, right? You're sitting next to a pretty girl and go, wow, you're pretty. You know, I want to go out with you. Don't do that, you know. Just keep it to yourself. But what if you didn't have to have secrets? That's what Jesus was talking about. That's what he desires for us. Have you ever seen that commercial on TV uh, you know, there's several of them where it says, don't you wish everybody would just speak the truth? And I remember the one of the lady bringing the cake over to her neighbor. And she says, I brought this cake over so I can get the dirt on you moving into the neighborhood, you know. And the lady goes, mm, it smells so intrusive, right? I love those commercials. If everybody just spoke the truth, right? But what if we did that more? What if we were honest? Romans 12, 9 says, don't just pretend that you love others, really love them. Ephesians 4, 25 says, what this adds up to then, no more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. So when you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. 1 Peter 1, 22 says, now that you've been purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. You know, only God can give us that kind of love. For we love each other deeply from the heart. But be real. It's okay. Be authentic. You'll be amazed at how freeing it is. The truth sets you free. And then number three, I can choose the shortcut or the long road. The shortcut or the long road. I I can choose the easy way or the hard way. Relationships always take a long road. It says be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. When I think of making allowance, I think of my kids. I'd have to scrape together allowance for them, right? It was a little bit of effort. But it's saying make room, make allowance for each other because... All of you are human and you're going to have faults. Remember all those one-minute books a few years back? There was like one-minute manager, one-minute parent, one-minute marriage, one-minute sex. That one didn't sell very well. Uh, Can't really do a relationship like that. Relationships, you can't go like, I'm going to Google Calendar um, quality time with my kids from 7 to 7.15 on Tuesday night. Why? Because if your kids show up at 7.05, you're angry, and there goes the quality time, right? I'm going to argue with my wife from 9 o'clock to 9.45 every Monday. That doesn't work, because your wife's going to pick different times to do that, and then you're going to be upset. 
You can't schedule it. You have to make allowance. You have to make room for it. Some of us don't have any room for relationships because we're so busy with our career. We're so busy. Some of us have scheduled our kids to such an extent that we have no room for relationship. Now, sometimes you can make relationship around soccer games and things like that. But some of us, we've just got to be, you can, you got to take the time. You got to be patient also. Who do we be patient with? First Thessalonians 5.14 says, be patient with everyone. Sometimes I hate the Bible. Do you ever feel that way? With them? Be patient with them, you know? Everyone. Because everyone needs it. I need you to be patient with me. You need me to be patient with you. What does patience look like? It giving room to change and grow. Some of you are in a relationship right now and you've, you have a decision to make. Are you going to take the long road? I remember Laura and I, about year five or six in our marriage, and it was like, this is not very fun. We are so different. We both bring our own individual issues into this thing, and I'm pretty much done. And we had a decision to make. And we looked at each other, maybe through gritted teeth a little bit. We're going to take the long road. I'm going to love you if it kills me. And it probably will. And that's what she was thinking anyway. But God began to work and began to turn things around. Yeah, we went to counseling. Yeah, we got really intentional. Yeah, we stepped in really hard. We just let it float. Now it's the sweetest thing in our lives. And it has been for decades now. God can do that. Don't give up. Number four. I can choose comfort or change. I can choose to live a comfortable life or I can choose to live a life where I'm growing, where I'm changing. Jesus said, I came to give life, life in all its fullness. I look at the life where I am now and I look at the life that Jesus promised in all its fullness. And you know what's in between those two? Change. Change. Change is hard though. Because it's really, I think of the opposite of change is comfort, really. And that's kind of the American dream, you know, to be comfortable. And relationships aren't comfortable. I mean, I just ask you to get out of your comfort zone and talk to two or three other couples. That's not, it's a lot easier just to leave from church, say goodbye to the donut person on the way out, you know. Say something to the other cars as you're in that long line getting out, but you don't want to repeat that one, okay? And then get out and go all the way home and go in your garage and shut the door and go in and flip on the Texans and hope for the best. <laughs> right? That's the, easy, that's the easy way. I want to encourage you. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, I'm happy, not because you were made sad, but because your sorrow made you change your lives. He got real tough with the Corinthians and said, quit living this way. Come on, I know you can do better than this. Let's do this. And it made them really sad what he said to them. 
but it caused them to change. And so he said, I was really sad and I was really sad that I wrote that to you. But then when I saw that you changed, it made me, it, it made me happy. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Until you really think about it. What happens when iron sharpens iron? Sparks fly, right? We were in a staff meeting with one group of my staff and man, sparks started to fly because there were different personalities. Don't you just wish everybody had your personality? Wouldn't the world be great? I want you to think about that person, you know, that, that has a totally, there's some people that just rub you the wrong way. And, and here's what's great about that. I mean, like you're just like opposite of them. And then God does something because he wants to work on you and have iron sharpen iron. So you marry them. It's crazy. Why did you do that? You don't even know why now, do you? You don't know why. Or, or, or they become your boss or they're your coworker that's in the little cubicle right next to you. It's always that way, right? But it's this beautiful picture, but it really, I mean, there's sparks flying. Think of ways, Hebrews 10, 24, to encourage one another to outbursts of love. That's what I want to do for you right now. Maybe you feel a little uncomfortable. You're like, I am not going to go talk to two or three other couples, Mark. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, if I'm single, I'm not going to go talk to two or three or four other people and get them. I'm, I'm just, I'm shy. I'm not, you can do this. This is a life changer. This is a command from God that we do life together Jesus said this is the most important thing you can find time for this you feel the sparks flying as I'm encouraging you I want to just close with this the most important he said love God love each other in Revelation 3:20, Jesus says something and a, a lot of people have used it as like a salvation verse but it's not what it really is it's Jesus talking to the church. People that already have believed in him. People that already know him and love him. And look what he says in Revelation 3.20. Look, here I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me calling and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal as friends. Do you hear Jesus saying that? See, this really convicted me. I'll just close with this. This convicted me this week as I was studying this. It's like so many times I just kind of real quickly come to Jesus and, you know, maybe I'm flipping through the news on the, online and doing different stuff and, oh, maybe there's a little devotional there too, you know. God's going, just back off of that. Why don't we just take a little time? Have you ever just invited him in to share a meal? What, what, what did that mean? Back in that day, that's where they talked and, and fellowshiped and, Maybe you just say, Jesus, I want to make some space for you and invite you in. Maybe you want to go to Taco Bell and leave an empty seat and, you know, grab a burrito and talk out loud. I wouldn't do that. What I would do is I would just say, this is some space. I just want to invite you in today. Let's just spend some time together today. Read a little bit from his word. Listen. Tell him what's on your heart. Like you would share with a friend. Like you would share with someone that you really love that deeply cares because he does. I believe if we do those two things, it'll completely 
change where we are. It'll relieve a lot of the stress. It'll make a big difference. Invite Jesus every day to share with you in a moment. It's going to take a little time. You'll have to make allowance for that too. And then be together with two or three other people or two or three or four other couples and do life together. It's got to be intentional. Both of those things are really intentional. And I'm calling upon you to do it. Jesus said there's only two things that matter in life. I don't want you to come to the end of your life and look back and say I missed what the whole point of it was. Love God. Love each other.